Tonight we return to our series on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Ephesians 5. We'll be there in Ephesians 5 in a moment. The Holy Spirit of God empowers believers. And why does the Holy Spirit of God empower believers? The Holy Spirit empowers believers so that God's children, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, can live godly lives. That empowering by the Spirit of God, the Bible calls the filling of the Spirit. That is the work of the Holy Spirit that I want to take a few moments to consider this evening, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard of that kind of language before, the filling of the Spirit in terms of, of the, the filling of the Holy Spirit to work miracles or to speak in tongues. And that is not what the Bible teaches for believers. And we're going to see what the Bible has for us tonight when we're thinking, in thinking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. So look at Ephesians 5 and verse 18, and we hear these familiar words uh, Ephesians 5 and 18 says, And do not, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Sounds like the filling of the Holy Spirit is up to you, doesn't it? In fact, you have something to say about being filled with the Holy Spirit, otherwise the Word wouldn't put it this way. In fact, I've heard it described this way. You could, you could translate it. It could have been translated this way. Be being filled. <laughs> be being filled. That doesn't sound like proper English, but that's kind of the way it goes in the original languages if we were to translate it literally. And so, yes, we do have something to say about whether or not we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Word of God tells us to be filled with the Spirit. We're hearing here something different than what we've discussed in previous weeks. We've already seen that the believer in Jesus at the moment of salvation is given this wonderful gift, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And that makes your body the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've also seen that at the moment of salvation, the believer is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that is an incredible gift. That sealing by the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that God has made you His own and He will keep you, not just for a while, but for all eternity. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit if you're God's child. We've also noted that the Holy Spirit guides the believer guides the believer in daily living and that he does that with the truth of the word. And that is why your pastor keeps urging you to be readers of the word because you need the word in you. You need the word dwelling in you richly as we hear from Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ, or, or we could, that could even be translated this way, see that the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. So it is our responsibility to get the Word in because the Spirit's going to use the Word to help us and strengthen us and even correct our thinking and train us, teach us, and even give us words to say when we need them. 
And then we noted last week that the Holy Spirit works in you to produce the growing fruit of the Spirit. God is all about maturing you in Christ, maturing His children. He doesn't want His children to remain infants. So the question is, how is, you might think of it this way, how is the filling of the Spirit different than these other works of the Holy Spirit? The filling of the Spirit. A fellow by the name of John F. Wolverd, who is now with the Lord, he was longtime president at Dallas Theological Seminary, writes of the fact that not all believers have the same degree of spirituality. You know that's true, right? Not, not all believers have the same degree of spirituality. He helps us understand how the filling of the Spirit is different when he writes this. Follow along. He says, The difference is related to the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's heart. Every Christian is indwelt by the Spirit, but every Christian does not heed the direction and instruction of the Holy Spirit. He touches on something really important there. Not every Christian heeds heeds the direction and instruction of the Holy Spirit. Accordingly, those who listen to the world rather than to the Holy Spirit are worldly or fleshly, and those who are guided by the Holy Spirit can be spiritually minded and enjoy the things of God. Those who are spiritual live by the Spirit. He's quoting Galatians 5.16. That is, he says, they walk or live their life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he pointed to Galatians 5.16, and we hear this uh, in Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and here's the contrast, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now that points to how we can be those believers who are being filled by the Spirit. And that's what I want to think about tonight. How can we live God-honoring lives in this world where we are pulled in all kinds of different directions with all kinds of truths? I heard it again this week in the media, someone saying, you know, yeah, you, you know, you have your truth. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so frustrating when we hear that there is truth. <laughs> there are no versions of the truth. Although some of us would like to have a version of the truth when it's convenient, right? But God says, no, there's truth and we need the truth. And we, we need to remember that God's desire is not to leave you in the state in which he found you. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were being deceived by the deceiver, the devil. And his desire is to change you, and that's good. You ought to welcome God changing you. You ought to eagerly accept that. God wants you to, to grow up in Christ and not remain the same as how he found you. And his desire is to change you, and God calls you to himself. He gives you himself by way of the Spirit and the Word, and he gives you His indwelling presence, of course. He enables you to live a godly life. How? He does it with the work of the Holy Spirit, with the word of truth 
in your heart, in your mind, in your life. And that's what he calls you to do with the wisdom of the word. Live by it. Walk by the Spirit. As uh, Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit. And here you'll see this contrast in your life. If you walk by the Spirit, you'll want to pursue the truth and obey God. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So we find help for understanding how this works in passages like Ephesians 5 and verse 18, which says, and do not get drunk with wine. And that's probably a whole other series if you want to talk about drinking alcohol. (laughs) Do not get drunk with wine. Here's what I will say in brief. God's word calls being drunk foolishness, and we ought not. And we ought not be controlled by anything. We'll talk about that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So how can you be filled with the Spirit? What we learn here in Ephesians 5.18 is that you are not to be controlled by anything. We, we can see that, the, the contrast of being controlled by wine and, that, and not being controlled by wine, but being controlled by the Holy Spirit in your life. The, the challenge here is that it's not... Uh, Alcohol is not the only challenge in our lives, is it? We can be controlled by lots of other things. And we're not to be controlled by anything but the Holy Spirit. Not food. Not drink. Not your circumstances. We talked about that this morning. You talk about living above your circumstances. It's not like you're not going through the circumstances. Oh, you go through the circumstances, but you learn not to be controlled by them when you're resting in the promises of God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. You are to be controlled by the Spirit if you're you're God's child. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit so that we are not controlled by anything else. So here's the key to living God-honoring, a God-honoring Christian life for the sake of pleasing God, for God's glory. And I hope that's your desire. God wants that to be our desire, that we want to glorify Him and make much of Him with the lives that He has entrusted to us. He is giving us time and energy and resources and gifts and talents to use for His glory. And in the process, He doesn't want us to be controlled by anything but the Spirit of God who lives in you if you are His child. So this is how a believer in Jesus is to live. That's what it means to live as we hear in Ephesians 4, 1, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been called to a worthy calling. (laughs) Live worthy of that calling. Live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. This is difficult, isn't it? It's It's not automatic to live filled with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. It's not automatic. It's a challenge, isn't it? There's a tension And that's the reality of Galatians 5.16 when it shows us the tension that exists in all of our lives. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. There's a tension there. There's what God calls us to and there's what we're tempted to or what we find ourselves living in without the Spirit's help. And speaking of the difficulty of being filled with the Spirit, uh, pastor and Well, he's a prolific author now. Uh, John Piper writes this. He says, Nobody 
stays full of the Spirit all the time. No one is always totally joyful and submissive to God and empowered for service. You can identify with that, can't you? I can. But this should still be our aim, our goal, our great longing. And then he quotes Psalm 42, As a deer pants for the flowing stream, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Then he goes on to say, But in order to slake that thirst, we must fight the fight of faith. We must preach to our souls a sermon of hope. And here he pulls a sermon of hope from Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 when he quotes, Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. He is my help and my God. And then he says, we must set before our soul the banquet of promise, the, the banquet of promises that God has made to us and feed our faith to the full. We desperately need the truths of God's word. You find the tension difficult in being filled with the spirit all the time. You, you, uh, you show a burst of anger or you show a burst of pride or selfishness and difficulty and you, and you get frustrated as to why I cannot please God all the time. Why can't I please the Lord all the time? And I'm with uh, pastor and author John Piper when he says that we need to be preaching to ourselves the truths of God's word and grateful and thankful that God is there to help us even when we're weak. And it's a wonderful truth to have before us when we have the banquet of God's word, as he says, before our hearts, before our lives to encourage us when we're struggling with being filled with the Spirit. There's a piece of wisdom that will help us with this, this idea of being filled with the Spirit that he points to when he says we need to feed our faith to the full. There's a piece of wisdom there. We need to feed our souls with the truth of God's Word. We, ought, we have to seek to have a growing faith in God. And our faith will not grow if we aren't being fed by the Word. I wonder if you've thought about this. Do you pray for more faith? You ever do that? You ever stop and ask God to give me a growing faith, help me to have more faith, help me to trust you more and more. Some of the, uh, some of the problems that we face, we face because we, we do not trust God. We decide to do things our way instead of God's way. And there's an indicator there that we need to pray and ask God for more faith. Strengthen my faith, Lord. Help me to trust you more and more. You should pray for a deeper faith, a deepening faith, a growing faith. And as your faith is growing and strengthening, you will find yourself more and more filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. An example of this is seen in Acts chapter 11. You want to turn and, and look at it, just a brief statement there. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, but I think it's a remarkable thing to look at, Acts chapter 11 and verse 24, where it says of Barnabas, <clears throat> the 
It says of Barnabas there in Acts chapter 11 and verse 24 that he was full of the Holy Spirit and, do you see what else is there? He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. If you're familiar with that passage, it's, sometimes it's easy to, to miss that and just skim through that. He was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. I think there's a key there to our, to our being filled with the Spirit. And I think John Piper pointed to it when he talks about that feeding our faith to the full. Barnabas had it, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. If you're filled with faith in God, faith in God's promises, faith in His power, His sovereignty, faith in His love, faith in His care for you, faith in His righteousness, faith in His justice, then you can also be filled with the Spirit. Because if you are filled with faith, you won't be afraid to surrender your whole life to the Spirit's control. Sometimes that's hard for us to do. We want to reserve little areas of our lives for how we want them to run and not how for the Holy Spirit wants them to run. But the filling of the Holy Spirit will change your life and you ought to be welcome to that and, and ready for God to change your thinking, change your speech and conduct, your actions, your desires, your passions, your goals. Well, the filling of the Holy Spirit will change your life. When the Holy Spirit controls you because, uh, because you're not quenching Him, it's possible for us to quench Him when we're resisting in certain areas of our lives. When the Holy Spirit controls you because you are not quenching Him, you are not resisting His control, He'll not leave you unchanged. And that will be for your good and for His glory. We don't often welcome change, though. We like getting in a groove and finding a way that we're satisfied and content with, and, and yet we ought not. And even through, though I've been preaching on contentment, we ought not be content if we're not honoring God. <laughs> we ought not be content with the way we're living if we're not willing to please Him or surrender every area of our life to His control. So how can we be those believers who are filled with the Spirit? Interestingly, we come back to a note that I was sounding this morning. Simply stated, we can be filled with the Spirit when we are submitting to the Lord, submitting to His Word, submitting to His desires for our lives. What's another word for submission to God? It's uh, obedience. Are you willing to obey? Are you taking steps to obey? That's why Ephesians 5.18, I think, is so helpful when it says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Pursue that filling. Pursue the wisdom of God. Pursue bringing your life into submission to God's will in God's Word as it's revealed and be filled with the Spirit. You're not to be controlled or filled by anything but God. That means you're not to be controlled by you. It's hard, isn't it, to, to put off ourselves, to put off our selfishness, our sinful desires. The Bible is clear, though, that if you would be filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, or in other words, led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you've 
got to submit to Him. You've got to surrender yourself to the truth of God's Word. And submission to God looks like increasing faith and increasing obedience. You will not be filled with the Spirit if you say, I know what God's Word says, but but I want to do it this way. God will not bless you with a filling of His Spirit if if you're resisting Him, if you're quenching Him or quenching His truth. I think Colossians 3.16, do you want to turn there? Colossians 3.16 is a good picture of what increasing faith in God and obedience to God looks like. And this is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. We touched on this phrase earlier. Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, Or you could say with the word let, see that. See that the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly. And what happens when that is true of you? Your life will teach. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Your life will teach. Your lips will praise God. Your your life will glorify God. But it begins with this. Sing to the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And God has been gracious to give you all of Himself. You realize that? God is not withholding Himself from you. He is not keeping some part from you. He is giving Himself to you, and He's giving all of Himself to you, and He's given His Holy Spirit to live in you. And so you ought to seek to live in such a way that you are giving all of yourself to Him. It's true for all of us. God desires our all for His honor and glory. And that is truly the way to find, as we've been seeing in Philippians, contentment and and joy and real peace. John MacArthur writes about a, a powerful example of this when he writes this. And I think this is a good example, a good illustration for us. Sometimes, he says, sometimes it's easy, and, or, or sometimes an easy conversation between friends can have ramifications far beyond what either person expects. Such was the case in the summer of 1872 near Dublin, Ireland, when two prominent evangelists were discussing ministry. The two men were the British evangelist Henry Varley and the renowned American evangelist Dwight L. Moody. Their conversation contains one of the best-remembered quotes attributed to the life and times of Moody. The remark affected him for the rest of his life. The morning after, <clears throat> the morning after an all-night prayer meeting, as the two men strolled around the grounds of the mansion where the meeting had been held, Varley uttered a brief but thought-provoking statement to Moody. This is how Moody recorded it in one of his diaries. The world, quote, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. A man, Varley meant, any man. Varley didn't say he had 
He had to be educated or brilliant or anything else. Just a man. This is Moody in his diary. Just a man. Any man. (laughs) Or we might say any woman. Any child of God. MacArthur goes on to say, Henry Varley's words became indelibly fixed in Dwight Moody's heart and mind and were a tremendous motivation for the gifted American evangelist's final quarter century of ministry. A short while after his walk with Varley, Moody was further impressed by the need to be completely obedient to the Lord. Back in London, in the gallery of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, Varley's remark and Spurgeon's preaching focused Moody's attention on, quote, something I had never realized before. It was not Spurgeon who was doing the work. It was God. And if God could use Spurgeon, why should he not use me? Why should he not use me? Could you say that? If God has used other growing, Christ-like, godly, spirit-filled believers to influence others toward Christ, why not me? MacArthur goes on to say, If one Christian's informal remarks to another believer, especially to one who was already a prominent leader, could stir that individual's thinking so much regarding sanctification and effective service, the words ought also to stir believers like us. This episode from the life of Moody encourages us to wrestle with the issue of what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. Do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do you want to be empowered for Christian service to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and for the glory of God and for the advancement of the gospel. I hope that's your desire. I hope it's a growing desire for us all in this fellowship of believers that we enjoy. If God could use Spurgeon, why should he not use me? And this is what it means to be yielded to and surrendered to and filled by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit seeks to fill you so that you are living a Spirit-empowered life, a Spirit-led life. It should affect your speech. It should affect your decision-making, your desires. The Holy Spirit should have something to say about what you do with your day and how you treat your neighbor and how you speak to your spouse, how you treat your coworker. And how you conduct your business affairs. The Holy Spirit seeks to fill you so that you are living a Spirit-empowered life. So for your joy, I would encourage you for your joy. Because God will give you joy as you surrender to Him. And are filled with His Spirit and led by His Spirit. For your joy and for God's glory. Yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for more and growing and deepening faith so that you will trust Him with every area of your life, so that you will not withhold any area of your life from His filling and His working and His leading and seek the filling of the Holy Spirit by your ongoing faith-filled obedience. 
not to earn a right standing with God. You are already in a right standing with God if you're his child, but to please him, to glorify him, to make much of him. Seek to live a life of faith-filled obedience, and you will be filled with the Spirit. You will be led by the Spirit. You will be empowered by the Spirit. And you will know the Lord's joy in the midst of even difficult circumstances, as we've been seeing from the life of Paul in Philippians.